0: Welcome to the Voice of Aged Care podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Julie Badgick smith Aged Care Psychology Consultant. I bring my background in psychology, clinical experience, and latest research to this podcast, which is shared in stories, strategies, and solutions to the widely underestimated problem of isolation and loneliness in late life. I truly believe that supporting well-being of our elders is a shared responsibility, and that we can help the older person achieve better outcomes for their well-being and do our best by being our best and looking after ourselves. I'm glad you're here. All right, welcome to another episode of Voice of Care. Yay, thanks for joining me and I'm so excited to talk to you today about emotional contagion. And often when people talk to me about my research and my PhD, like, what did you find? What did you do for those three years you were at university? Um, I examined this concept of emotional contagion and this comes up quite a lot in our line of work and when I asked you, my listeners, what you wanted me to talk more about in, in my podcast Some people said, you know, one particular person messaged me and said um, they wanted to know how positive attitudes from staff influence the atmosphere and world of the residents in aged care. And they also um, mentioned that stressed, discontented leaders can create a miserable atmosphere. So I thought this was timely for me to talk to you a little bit about emotional contagion and what it actually means. And usually when I ask people, about that term emotional contagion, what it is. Um, Not many people are really good at defining it and that's okay because it's not an everyday term. So what I'm going to do in this episode is to talk to you a bit about the, the power of emotional contagion, the impact of your positive attitude in a stressful environment, strategies to remain psychologically present in your role which I understand can be quite challenging at times, um, and the real benefits of not taking things personally. All right. So um, we know the term misery loves company, right? Um, And you know what that means? So you've probably experienced the truth behind this saying firsthand by seeking out sad music when feeling down or venting to loved ones when angry or upset. That's normal. We all go through that. We all go through stages where you might want to put on some sad music um, and and just zone out or put on some relaxation music or put on some really, you know, upbeat music. We go through those stages, which is okay. Things can work the other way too. So hearing a a mournful song when you're having a great day, can quickly change your mood and take you back to that time when you're like, oh, I remember that song. That was so sad. That was a breakup song. Oh, oh, I remember hearing that song, you know, at a such and such funeral and takes you back to such sad time. Um, and you've gone suddenly from being upbeat and cheerful to suddenly feeling really, really down. If you're the one offering a listening ear, you might feel sad or distressed about hearing about a friend's troubles, So you might be like, you know what, I've had a great day. I went for a run, I went for a bushwalk, whatever you do to start off the day. Or, you know, um, you may have done yoga um, and, and, and had, a, had a nice start of the day after a good night's sleep and then suddenly, you know, you're commuting to work or getting out and about and a friend calls you and just tells you something, that some trouble that they're going through. And you go, oh gosh, that's so sad, um, you know, I'm so so sa- sad to hear about it, oh, you know, such and such is made redundant and, you know, um, or they're having marital problems or they're having something else go for them or they're having troubles at work, it can really, really start to affect you. You go, oh, gosh, that's really sad. And then suddenly you go from being really upbeat and happy to feeling quite low um, and, and, and down in dumps. So... I wanted to talk to you about like, what impact it can really have on us, all these different types of information, input that we hear. And it might not be just your friend who tells you something that's really sad or that's really upsetting. It could be just turning on the news, watching what's happening around the world. It really is the case that you know what's on the news is a good story. They only put that usually as a last segment before the weather update. Um, so just being mindful of the type of information that you are absorbing and what your own reaction is to that information, sometimes it can be more difficult and challenging to avoid that type of information, but other times it could be easier. so you, you know you might think about how can you tweak some of that um, some of that information in um, in your routine? So you know if you normally just jump in the car and listen to a radio um, and you listen to news update, well maybe I'll just listen to my playlist. Or listen to a podcast like this one. Um, so there's ways that you can go about and, and change how you um, have input to that information. How much of bad news gets to you in a day? So it might not just be phone calls. It could be through media. It could be through social media. It could be through um, you know radio. It could be through um, you know talking to other people as well. So. Being mindful of that can be quite important. So what I wanted to talk to you briefly about was just my own, um, my own PhD research. And I know that in one episode I can't summarise the, the whole big study, but the gist of it was about um, looking at emotional contagion in the home care sector. So with workers who go out and deliver uh, support to older people who live independently. And the types of support for some of them was social, personal care or domestic assistance. Um, and what I found in that research, so I, I, I travelled um, quite a bit throughout New South Wales, Australia, um, to do my um, interviews with home care workers. And I did some also um, over over the phone, I believe, Um Yes, it was over the phone and recorded. I'm just trying to think back how we did it. It was a few years ago. Now, um, And so I interviewed home care workers and then after that we did a big survey with them. So particularly I found that the qualitative data when I spoke with the home care workers um, you know, for an, an hour each, I found out uh, a lot about their connections and engagement with their clients. And I found that really beneficial because I was able to ask them questions, semi-structured questions about – what type of types of connections they had with their clients and what impact it had on their own well-being and their, um, their willingness to remain in their roles. So what I found was that positive attitude in staff um, also had positive impact on clients So if the client was happy, the staff member was happy. If the staff member was happy, the client was happy. I don't interview the clients, but this was just from the perspective of the home care workers. And so often, you know, they'd say, oh, you know, this lovely man, every time I go out to him and I deliver home care service, he's always like, you know, you're my sunshine. I'm so happy to see you. You've made my day. And it's just like the best thing ever. And the client's happy and the the support worker's happy. It validates their role. Um, What they're doing makes them feel good. You know, they put on a happy song when they drive home and everything's just great. And we want many of those interactions to be as positive as possible because, you know, the better you feel, the more engaged you are, the better your health is, Um, the less likely you are to experience um, emotional changes and you will reduce your stress and you will be more resilient but the reality is, is that not everyone's happy and we need to also talk about the, the, the other side of things and the negative attitudes and negative emotions that might be experienced. So if a person's health is um, not good, if they're experiencing a chronic health condition, if perhaps their mobility is impacted, if they perhaps can't attend to their personal care by themselves... They can also affect their well being and and you know the thoughts they might have is well, I'm no longer independent, I need help with this, and it can be very difficult to accept that help and support because the person might think, well, you know what i can't I can't do these things, I can't do this myself I can't um." I can't do things that I used to do. What do I do? Like, how do I go about it? I, I find it. You know, I'm so frustrated. I'm so unhappy. This is not the life that I thought I would live. And particularly for people impacted with dementia as well, it's like, whoa, whoa! I did not. I don't have dementia. I don't even say the D word. Um, you know, I don't. I don't have that condition. And it can be very difficult, and it can. Create a range of emotions in the person receiving support. And it can be make make challenges um, for the staff supporting that client because it's like, well, no, I don't need help with personal care. No, bugger off. I don't need help with showering. No, what's wrong with my T-shirt? It's not dirty. That's the pattern on it. So it can create more tension. It can create more difficulties because suddenly you've just come from Fred's house and he was so happy that you saw him and he was so, you know, upbeat and cheerful. And now suddenly you're going over to Joyce's house and Joyce doesn't want to have a bar of you. She's grumpy. She doesn't want you to come in. She doesn't need help. um, She doesn't want help. And it's quite evident that she needs it. And so the negative attitude can impact us um in 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 the sense that you know if the clients in a bad mood it can impact us and our own well-being but also like if we're in a bad mood if you just you know um had a call to say oh you got to go and pick up your kids or grandkids or something's gone unexpectedly and you know go you got to cut the work short or something's happened not bad but just to change your routine you know it can put you in a bad mood as well so What I found in my research, coming back to my research now, what I found in my research is that if the client is in a bad mood, if the client is clinically depressed, if the client is withdrawn, if the client is refusing to leave their home, if the client is refusing to get out of bed, it makes it more difficult for the worker to support them. It makes it more challenging because they really have to be... um, so careful about what they say. They feel like they're exerting so much energy to support this person who's just like, nah, I don't care. I don't feel like doing such and such. So that makes it so much more difficult for them to deliver support because, you know, half an hour ago I was at Fred's house and we just had the best time ever and it was so much fun and now I'm here with Joyce and it's just, Joyce doesn't want to do anything and she's just so difficult and she's not even polite to me. She doesn't even say thank you and she's just like, ugh. My time's up, you know. So what I found in research was that the home care workers were actually saying to their coordinators, please don't send me there anymore. I don't, I don't want to go back there. Sometimes, depending on the nature of what was happening with the client, they might not go to the extent of saying, don't send me back there. But certainly there were clients whose mood was so low, whose well-being was not great, who were experiencing many changes with their well-being and their capacity to engage in interactions, in their own cares, that the workers were actually saying, I I don't want to go there. I'd rather not earn money for two hours um, than go there because I just don't enjoy being there. And so we need to talk about this and the impact that poor mental health on others can have on us as well. And what we can do about regulation of those moods. So emerging neuroscience um, is offering us um, one possible explanation for this phenomenon, and it's called the mirror neuron system. And basically the concept of mirror neurons originated when researchers studying the brain's of monkeys discover that certain neurons started to fire when the monkeys did something and when they watched other monkeys do the same thing. It seems that a similar process might happen in the humans. Some experts believe that the mirror neuron system extends beyond physical actions and might explain how we experience empathy for others as well. So emotional contagion, the the concept that I explored in my research, is a form of social contagion that involves the spontaneous spread of emotions and related behaviours. Such emotional convergence can happen from one person to another or in a large group as well. Emotions can be shared across individuals in many ways, both implicitly and explicitly. So, what that means is that we need to be mindful of our emotions and how that can impact others and also of emotions in others and how that can impact us as well. So emotions can be shared across individuals in many ways and we need to think about what that means in terms of our psychological presence at work and also about our communication. So we know that... Sorry, I just had to get a drink of water... Um, that what we say is only 7% of our communication and that 93% of our communication is in our body language and how we convey the message. And I know that many of us found it really challenging when, um, when we were in the peak of COVID, when we had to wear masks um, and full PPE gear and trying to communicate with someone was really difficult because they couldn't see the smile behind our face, they couldn't see, um, they couldn't hear us and it was really difficult to understand what was going on. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about this concept called mimicry and in order to mimic someone's emotions, we first have to recognize the emotion itself. You can't copy emotion unless you know what it is. So emotional cues are often subtle, so you, you're likely, um, so you likely aren't always conscious of that realization. Generally, mimicry happens through body language. And when talking to a friend, for example, you might begin unconsciously copying their pose. Their gestures or their facial expressions. And you can see that sometimes if you sit with your hands crossed and you talk to someone, they might do the same. They might cross their hands and, and copy you. Or if you touch your face, or if you you know you touch your hair, whatever, they might be like, "Oh, have I got something?" Or they might not even realize that they're fully doing that. Um, and so, um, if you begin the conversation with some anxiety or distress, but if your friend's face seems relaxed and open, your own expression may relax as well. Mimicry can help you relate to others by understanding their experience, so it's a key aspect of social interaction. But it's just one part of the process of emotional contagion. The other is also about the feedback. So by mimicking an emotion, you begin to experience it. In the example above, your relaxed facial expression might help you feel calmer. Okay? So someone with depression, for example, might express their feelings through their body language, through their speech patterns or facial expressions, as well as their words. And this can induce a similar emotional reaction in people who have more vulnerability to these cues. So when we think about the contagion, mimicking an emotion typically evokes that emotion in you. And it then becomes part of your own experience. You begin to express it or relate to others in the same way. And the process of contagious is complete. So emotional contagion isn't always bad. You know, you can't always be like, well, you know, um, I'm not going to get that. I'm not going to, you know, whatever that person is feeling, that's their emotion. It's got nothing to do with me. You know, who doesn't want to spread happiness? Who doesn't want to spread love? Who doesn't want to spread kindness? But there's also a downside to that as well. Negative emotions can spread just as easily. Nobody is vulnerable to emotional contagion. But it is possible to observe negative emotions and support people around you without catching a case of their blues. Here's how we're going to do that. So what that means is that, you know, being psychologically present in your role means what can you take from your environment to help you maintain your wellness? So surrounding yourself with things that make you happy. You're less likely to succumb to someone else's bad mood if you keep your surroundings environment full of things that bring you joy. If you tend to come across a lot of negativity at your work, make your office or desk a happy place for yourself. You know, maybe bring a plant or even, you know, fish. um, If your workplace allows it, put up photos of your pets, your partner, kids or friends at your workspace. Use headphones to listen to your favorite podcast or music whilst you're at work, when you're driving, um, during your break. Even if you begin feeling like you're coming down with a bad case of negativity, your surroundings might help you feel better. Your surroundings with your positive, um, positive reminders around you of happy photos of your loved ones or your holidays experiences or even having a pot plant can help you feel better. Another strategy is to offer positivity. So if you don't don't want another person's negativity to affect you, try turning the tables by smiling and trying to keep your voice cheerful. If you're already starting to feel the effect of someone's bad mood, you might feel less likely to smile, but it can help to give it a try. Smiling may help you feel more positive positive but the other person might also mimic your body language and catch your mood instead, making it a win-win situation. Another strategy that we need to look at is also how to recognize what is happening. So if if you're picking up on someone else's mood, you may not realize it right away. You may just feel bad without realizing and understanding fully why. It can take a lot of self-awareness to realize someone else's behavior is making you feel upset. It might not be obvious at all. You know, it might not be like, able to put the two things together. Realising how your feelings relate to another person's experience can make it easier to address them without acting on them. If you can learn how to acknowledge when someone's negative mood is affecting you, you can practice removing yourself from that situation, okay? Another strategy is to laugh it up. Laughing can help improve your mood and relieve stress. It can also spread people to people around you as well. So... When you feel negativity creeping in, share a funny video, tell a joke, or enjoy your favorite sitcom for a boost of positivity. And last but not least, and this is one that um, you know I've had to work on over the years as well, um, don't take it personally. Emotional contagion relates to empathy, so if someone you care about is having a hard time emotionally. You may respond by unconsciously absorbing their experience and connecting with them that way. This is just part of being human. Try to keep in mind that you aren't responsible for their feelings. You may not be able to help. They are sharing their experience in the only way that they know. This can be particularly tough if a loved one is dealing with a chronic mental health condition or if they're dealing with um declining physical health or if they're dealing with changes in their um in their cognition as well so you can't be of much help to them if you are not feeling well either so it's not never you know it's never a bad idea to say to them that they might need to get more help and support they might need to see someone they might need to call um you know a helpline or something or speak to their gp and you may also consider seeking some help and support for yourself, you know, so it could be through employee assistance program or, you know, talking to your own GP and saying, look, home, I need to talk to someone. And a lot of people um, who address issues sooner rather than later have better outcomes. So, you know, keeping in mind that You know, no one's perfect. We all go through so many emotions and so many experiences in our lives. Sometimes maybe talking to someone if you feel that, you know, the impact of other people's negative emotion has on you or the impact your own emotional well-being has on you, might need some expert advice. You might need to talk to someone. You might need to reach out for help. And I found um, in my experience the sooner we do it, the more likely we are to need short-term help and strategies as opposed to, you know, long-term intervention. So we've covered a lot in this episode today and I want to thank you for coming. I'm listening to this. I always find that talking about my research is quite a lengthy process and I know today like I had to... Get some water a couple of times just to um, help me get through some of those um, strategies and um, explanations of the emotional contagion. And even though that process is automatic and that we go through um, the steps automatically, it can have profound effects on us. So just be mindful next time you interact um, with someone about that concept and what are they communicating to you not just verbally, but with their body language as well, and what are you doing to deflect some of those emotions which might not be good for you and your well-being. Thank you so much for coming along today and for listening to another episode of Voice of Age Care. And until next time, you take care. Bye. Well, that is another episode of the Voice of Age Care done and dusted. Make sure you don't miss out when I release another episode by becoming a subscriber your app of choice and if you can please leave a review too. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast and what you'd like to hear in the future. Now the next thing you need to do is go straight over to wisecare.com.au forward slash resources and check out my latest resources you can download for free. It could be a book chapter 20 strategies to boost engagement with elders or my most popular resource, Five Facts About Me Worksheet. You'll be sure to find them all there, wisecare.com.au forward slash resources. I'll see you at the next episode.